0: hi it's greg and lucky and this is our podcast if you don't catch us from five to nine this is what you missed did we have a good thanksgiving any punch-ups at your place usually Uh, family gatherings no well we didn't have a big gathering this year we were shipping off to hockey left and right uh literally uh i also to get north to get the docks out of the water too so ran up to the cottage to do that quickly
1: you don't have people to do
0: that no no out of people
1: um, yeah, we had uh, we had a, a mass gathering at the uh, Venn Ranch. We had a bit of a, a bit of a turkey off in that I was roasting a traditional bird with the stuffing, and then my uh, my oldest son's uh, girlfriend's dad they came up from Windsor and he's big into the deep frying the bird. Oh right, yeah. Mm, how kinda, did that go? Kind of became a well. I'll tell you this. Just to, to start with, uh, his name is Al and he's a great guy. But he's too damn handsome, first of all, for for his own good. All right. So that's always been a sticking point with me. Gotcha. So you know he's quick to get under my skin with all his movie star <laughs> handsomeness. Um, and I had heard some people say, uh, "Oh, it's you know it's a it's a it's a craze. Everybody loves doing it, but it's it's always too greasy." And this was not. This was uh, it was very very good. Mm. Now he has a whole marinating system that he would not share with me. Gotcha. You can't let that cat out of the bag. It was quite funny, too, because at one point I have a a nephew who's uh, about, I guess, seven or eight years old. I don't know. I barely pay any attention to him. But (laughs) um, he kept asking me for glasses of milk, which I kept getting. And at one point I'm, I'm pouring him milk at the counter, and I see him go right up to Al and say,
0: I like your turn.
1: Turned on his own blood. (laughs) So I threw that milk in his face and we dropped it. (laughs) We went to town, fisticuffs, right there in the living room. And let me tell you, he swings a hell of a punch. (laughs) They go low. Yeah, right around the pills. Right around the pills. So, yeah, no, listen, we've been recently watching The Bear. And one of the great things about that show is it um personal it's I don't know if I know this show It's uh, I can't remember the guy's name he was in Shameless he was one of the sons in Shameless and he plays a head chef who comes from, like, a Michelin experience okay. restaurant. And his brother dies, and he comes back to Chicago to run, like, the family kind of diner. Gotcha. And there's all sorts of headaches and problems and things uh, going on. But one of the things it does really well is in the kitchen when they're, when the rush is on. Yeah. And, you know, he's got, like, four or five cooks, and he's got sous chefs. He's got everybody doing something. And it's chaos. Yep. You know, kitchen area is very tight. And so they're always yelling, chef, chef, which kind of gives everybody a heads up. And they'll yell back or corner if they're, you know, moving around. Uh-huh. And so we, because <clears throat> Rhea and I had watched it, and it turned out that my son and his girlfriend had also watched it, we incorporated that. And I think it really had some effect on nobody getting burnt or things getting broken. And booze was involved. I mean, the shots were flowing from right. about 10 a.m. Because uh-huh. we had this other thing now when a bell rings. Somebody who rings the bell has to make the shots, or someone rings a bell when it's time for shots, What? and
0: all must gather for a shot. There are no exceptions. <laughs> oh my god! Right. And at one point, the length of your alcoholism.
1: And, well, it's a group problem now. This <laughs> really is. And I, at one point, my uh, my son's girlfriend's mom accidentally made what sounded like a bell noise. She was doing something. Gotcha. And so it was immediately we pounced on her. Make a shot, make a shot. We all need a shot. And she in a panic didn't know what to do. <laughs> so that, that was fun. So by the time uh, dinner rolled around, we ate about 4 o'clock, uh, and I had been at it. I think we'd started with the mimosas at about uh, 8 or 9 in the morning. and I uh, So I was pretty well into it. by. I, I was cooked as the turkey was. <laughs> but then later in the night, Craigie got a, a second spring in his step, and we were doing the uh, Switch Nintendo and bowling. Okay. And I was striking like a madman. And you. now there's video of me dancing around saying all day with the strikes, all day. <laughs> Wine in one hand, striking with the other. It
0: hit your groove.
1: Yeah. Now if I tried it sober on Monday, it would have been you. in the gutter every time. But anyhow, it was a it was a good Thanksgiving. And I hope everybody else had a great one. I was actually talking to a coworker coming in this morning She said that uh, her and her husband spent a rather cold Thanksgiving because they went camping. What? They went camping. Now, I guess they have a trailer, but then they invited her parents. And so I guess there's not enough room in this trailer
0: for four. And so they ended up sleeping in a tent. Uh, No, 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 no. Not a chance. No. I mean, you don't have to be like the pilgrims. (laughs) Kill your own bird. What length are you going
1: to? And it was cold this weekend, like the fall, you know, has really arrived. And I just thought, you know, camping is one of those things you do as a young person. Right. Mostly to get away from your parents.
0: Uh-huh. Or to try to get a leg over. Yeah, well, you don't own a home. No. Or a place to try that. Right. You get a, get a tent for that stuff.
1: But once you have, oh, I don't know, income, <laughs> no more sleeping on the ground. <laughs> Enough of that. I could not imagine. First of all, what's going on with the husband where he's willing to give up his camper
0: to his in-laws to go sleep outside? Right. There, there would be no Thanksgiving whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> that would be <laughs> the most anti-thanks of yeah. Thanksgiving.
1: Then she rolls over in the sleeping bag and says, what are you thankful for, sweetie? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. I'm thankful for divorce lawyers is what I'm thankful for. There is uh, a big study going on in Europe. Uh, about, uh, fathers and paternity leave. Now, of course, you got maternity leave with the moms. You got paternity leave, uh, with, uh, with dads. uh uh-huh. And how it is, uh, very important for a dad to, uh, take some leave with his kids. And there's a whole bunch of different benefits. They're more likely to have a, a closer relationship with their children if they do, uh, paternity leave, uh, better relationship with their partner because there's a the splitting of the duties. All good for everybody's mental health. But this one is also on the list for dads and why they should take paternity leave. It'll stop men from drinking too much. Turns out if you're at home and uh getting used to being a parent right. raising children rather than struggling with the trying to juggle work and parenting, there's a less uh likely chance that you'll lean on liquor as a crutch. <laughs> I would say being around the kids for too much is a reason a lot of dads would lean on alcohol. So
0: she didn't have to go to work the next morning.
1: I remember when my boys were young and the lovely Maria worked Saturdays because she was uh, running her aesthetics business then. And uh, I would have them to myself all day. And I could load bricks by hand. (laughs) into a truck for 18 hours a day uh-huh. and be less exhausted than I was watching those two. Right. Oh, there would be days. And I, and I couldn't say anything, of course, because I worked in the morning. She always from the, I think Daniel was born in September and like the following February, I started my morning radio career. Mm-hmm. So she had him like all the time, both of them, every morning, every day. So there was no chance in hell she'd come home on a Saturday night, and I'd go, oh, I can't take this. <laughs> but I do remember, and I'm sure it's true of for all parents at some point, I remember there was like a Saturday morning, and uh, was it like spring, May, something like that, and uh, the kids were just being a nightmare. There was one of those days that you could not control them on any level. They were fighting and screaming and crying and up and down. And I saw two guys across the street who are probably in there around my age, probably late twenties or early thirties. And it's about like, it's only like 11 a.m. and I've already had enough. And they're throwing golf clubs into the back of a, a truck and they're having a pint before they leave and they're just laughing. And I wanted to go over and, and put a hate crime upon them. I wanted to take those clubs and wrap them around their head. It was kind of like, you know, in space, nobody can hear you scream. My hands were against the living room window, and I was just like, get me out of this nightmare. But anyhow, that is the joys of parenting. And that, Although I did not, uh, and uh,
0: did you take any leave or just uh, Adrian took leave? Uh, it's, I took a couple days yeah. when we were first born, but right. that, that's about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I didn't take a, a paternity leave. It's funny because I, I think... You know, it, it's, I, I think at the time it was almost frowned upon, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like, like, what are you going to do? That's and, right. That's right. And, um, and, and I would say, you know, to be honest, the first go around is when you probably would be more inclined to take it because, hey, it's your first child. Mm-hmm. You want to be involved. And, and there's really nothing you do. No. <laughs> like, no. It's it's no. all her.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get up in the middle of the night, you know, to, to bring the baby to her
0: for a feeding. I or guess. Oh, yeah. you never did that either? No. <laughs> uh,
1: Honestly? Well,
0: the baby was right there. Where am I going to go get it, from the side of the bed to the bed? <laughs> <laughs> you are a thing of beauty. Oh, my gosh. I, uh, like, I, I had a buddy who was, was like, oh, yeah, I uh, I helped hold the head to get it in the position to nurse. I'm like, are you crazy? No, what, what, well, I think I did that. Really? Yeah. What, was, uh, were you golfing the day they were born? No. <laughs> You were the guy I, across the street from me. I quit the me. back nine. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> they were. It was okay. You took, almost almost think you, you know, it's going to be a few hours. You got time to kill. You
1: took the. I, I know you've told the story. You took the baby out uh, of the hospital. Here, everybody, look at what I did, and then tossed it like a football yeah. back to Adrian go and back. said, "Gotta go golfing."
0: Right. <laughs> no, but I was just going to say. I, I think most people would be inclined to take paternity leave on the on, on the first child. Sure. It's the second child. Yeah. Where you would really, she could really use some help. When there's a toddler running around and you're trying to still take care of this newborn infant.
1: So how did Adrian uh, hold the baby and get your dinner ready every night? Wow, it's a, it's a, it's a skill. (laughs) No, you just went and ate at your mom's house. uh, (laughs) Left her at home. Baby Bjorn helps in that one. (laughs) I have said this a few times. I'll say it again. I believe there is going to be an answer to all health issues before. My time to uh, shed this mortal coil comes along and I will live for eh, 200 years, (laughs) something like that. (laughs) And here's another example of why I believe this to be true. Scientists are working on an implant that could deliver drugs and potentially cure cancer in as little as 60 days. (laughs) What? Through an implant. Yep. It's happening. Imagine even in our lifetime, if cancer was eradicated, could you imagine?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's they continue to work on it. There's yeah. certainly lots and lots of research and 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 money to put towards research. It, it, it was shocking in some senses that we haven't figured out with all the things that we have figured about the body and DNA and and uh, and how the body operates and sends messages and signals from one to another. How we haven't figured out. What yet has caused you know this, we've figured out in some ways how to really get detection early, yeah and uh, and and nip it in the bud in some senses, but uh, we really don't know enough about what causes it yet.
1: I mean, there's a lot of cancers that at one time were an absolute, well, all cancers at one time were an absolute death knell. But now there's many of them that, yes, either caught early or they're just not as extreme. Like things like pancreatic cancer is really bad and, and yeah. almost uncurable. But there are many of them now that, yes, it. it
0: uh, they haven't said where this injection eye, happens, though, yet, have they?
1: Where it happens.
0: Or what they're injecting, which is the size of this thing. Oh. Like, hey, we got to shove a tennis ball in there somewhere. If if
1: it gets you to cancer in 60 days, (laughs) shove the tennis ball and the racket. (laughs) Shove it all up there. I'll take it all. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's another example of how things weren't better in the old and golden days. Right. Cannibalism was a common ritual. At funerals in Europe 15,000 years ago. Why? Early humans would eat their friends and relatives when they died. Not because they needed to. It was just part of their culture. Ugh.
0: Yeah. Want to go to a funeral? No. No. (laughs) I said my piece already.
1: Oh, we're going to a funeral. Bring your best knife and fork. (laughs) And it has been found that being a vegetarian might be in your DNA. Some of us are just genetically predisposed to find it easy and enjoyable. And I I get that. It's kind of like, you know, it's like uh, cilantro, right? Some people love it. Others can't stand it. And I am one who I will eat vegetables, but somewhat begrudgingly, like Mm. I know I got to get them in me. But then I, I have vegetarians in my life and they seem perfectly fine with consuming a bowl full of broccoli and that's it.
0: Maybe they just have less taste buds.
1: Maybe. The only problem I've noticed with vegetarians is as much as they avoid the meat and I understand why their diet for a lot of it is really crap because they eat a lot of crap mm. to fill out what they're missing. They're always hungry. There's always yeah. cookies and you, you know, be very diligent them. with it. Yeah. To yeah. get to
0: get enough you know, protein, in.
1: so with Thanksgiving this weekend, we have two vegetarians who will be at our ta- uh, table. So we got to get the tofurkey or whatever they call. Oh, it. Oh, really? The mushroom gravy for them, and yeah, it's a whole thing. And and I that would be, I think, my problem uh, trying to be a vegetarian is I I would hate inconveniencing everybody else, right? Yes. That's what I keep telling myself.
0: I, well, I said at one point, I don't even think I could date a vegetarian. (laughs) (laughs) I can only think of, you know, if you're back when you were dating, you had to bring your significant other, girlfriend or other partner to, uh, to, to a a Thanksgiving family meal. Right. But then you had to make that call to a relative and say, yeah, by the way, mm. you know, bringing so-and-so, they're a vegetarian, uh, you know. Yeah. Will there be options? I think a lot of vegetarians just assume that <laughs> they're eating something on the way home if that's yeah. not the case.
1: I mean, now that we know and we have these vegetarians in our life, then we, we make adjustments for that. Right. But, yeah, early on. Now, what if Adrian turned around and made a lifestyle choice and said she wanted to become vegetarian?
0: Right. Well, that she, she's ingrained in the family enough that she could make that call <laughs> and make the calls subsequent that has to, well, cause that's the thing when they come, it's like, yeah, does this salad have bacon but, in it? Does this even, dressing have this? And does this gravy have, you right. know, beef stock? I don't know.
1: But even day to day cooking, like for the family, right. it would become an issue because if you were say going to make like a stir fry right now all of a sudden okay i can't put the steak in the stir fry
0: mm. yeah i mean many of the meals that we have she will probably go a vegetarian route right. or like she'll have a salad while we cram down something else.
1: Right. When well, she does most of the cooking anyhow, right? right? So that's it's not it's not like it's on you to figure it not out. Not like
0: a massive adjustment. No. It's a
1: great scam you've
0: pulled. It's a fantastic It's one,
1: unbelievable.
0: Yes. How Shout you, up. How you can
1: okay. go she's not Don't ruin it. How you can go off the air at 9 a.m. Yes. and somehow not be responsible for pulling a dinner together. <laughs> that's very impressive. I always think it's strange and odd when uh, somebody writes an autobiography and they really aren't even halfway through their life yet. You know, I, I read uh, Colin Yost from SNL. I read his and he's a pretty young guy, I guess, probably in his, maybe, probably in his early forties. And then, uh, and it was, I mean, it was a great book. He's, he's a very funny guy, but I did think it was a little young. But then it is kind of just the, maybe it's like the part one and here's how I got to SNL type story.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's you 41. Know? I would imagine most people, guys who read, just want to skip ahead to find out about the Scarlett Johansson and how the hell did that came up. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Well, uh, he didn't really go too deep into, uh, sharing that. Right. Like, well, he had sex in the elevator at 30 Rock. It was none of that. Oh, come um, on. But, um, but so then I, then I saw recently that Cicely Strong, who I think is very talented and very funny, Another Saturday Live, right? Yeah, Yeah. she wrote a a book called "This Will Be Over Soon," a memoir. And I thought again, okay, well, I'll read this. But I, but again, aren't you a little too young to be doing this? Anyhow, so she writes this book, and really, what it is about is it's a a story of her um, healing and and trying to get past the trauma of losing a cousin she was incredibly close with, a younger cousin. And he died of brain cancer, and he was young. And it happened, I think, if I remember correctly, just before COVID and then all the lockdowns. And she lived in New York, of course, where, if you remember, at the height of COVID, there were so many deaths. And, you know, Manhattan, uh, at the best of times, is a a pretty crowded place. And so when COVID first took off, of course, it spread like a wildfire uh, through that city. And uh, so her and some friends decided to get the hell out of town, and they went and rented some house of of state new york on some lake and tried to get away from everything and and so she goes on about you know the trauma of her cousin and his story and i read this and i listen it that's very sad nobody ever wants to hear of anybody dying young and and when you lose a family member or a friend to such a horrific disease of course that's terrible and so She goes on, but she also goes on about her anxieties and being out of the city and her anxieties about work and her anxieties about relationships and all the things that she's got going on. Because I must say there is kind of this, there is this thing with a certain age group, and I guess it would be millennials or it is late 20s and mid-30s, where they do kind of hang their hat on being the victim. Mm. You know, everything is, used to be a time you fought to not be the victim, Now it's kind of a a sign of pride to let everybody know (laughs) your struggles. That's why it seems like every young parent now, their kid has to have something. Right. A webbed foot, anything. Some one-upmanship. Yeah. Well, you think you've got it tough. My kid's missing a toe. Anyhow, that aside. So, again, she goes to therapist, and I think everybody in Hollywood goes to a therapist, and they, they deal with their stuff. Which, again, nothing wrong with going to a therapist. We should probably all be allowed to go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. should be something in our own hip that covers that, like going to the dentist. At least, I don't know, give us a couple of times a year on the couch just right. to sort our crap out, you know. Anyhow, I read that book, and it's fine. And there's some funny moments because she is a comedian. She's a, a, an actor who is incredibly talented and very funny. And then I finish that book, and I'm like, okay, that was fine. Then I, I grab Danny Trejo's book. Now, Danny Trejo is, I think, in his early 80s now. Okay. Shocking that he's still alive. Right. Honestly. Because from about the age of 12, he was in Juvie. And from there, he was in like every, he did like the grand tour of American prisons. Right. Ending up in San Quentin. Yeah, if you want, and, and,
0: I mean, he's played a lot of small characters, I would say, yeah. uh, in roles in, in movies. I don't think he was he a trained doctor to begin with. I, I haven't I haven't gotten that far don't into think the book. So, but, um, <laughs> it's terrible. Yeah, but you want to talk about a you know a chiseled face. Oh yeah. <laughs> he he is
1: one. He's oh yeah. Well it's funny, he talks about it, either it was his first wife, might have been because he got married very young and got divorced very quickly. You know, when you're a raging alcoholic and drug fiend. Ah, sometimes marriage doesn't work for you. <laughs> That's not an endearing factor. But he, you know, he's self-deprecating and he says, look, I've seen myself in the mirror. But he goes, I was a cute kid. Things went south rather quickly. Uh, he goes, but yeah, my first wife Lovely, me, believe it or not, uh, and, and making fun of himself that way. But I'm like into chapter three or four and he's already talked about how he saw a guy doing circles in San Quentin with a knife in his back and how nobody would help him. As a matter of fact, they mocked him and tortured him until he ended up dying on the cold cement floor of San Quentin in front of everybody. Wow. Oh, yeah, I'd take a shower after every chapter. The (laughs) book is so dirty. And look, again, his life was his life and hers was hers. But you don't want to ever, I wouldn't want to have Cicely Strong and Danny Trejo on a panel together. (laughs) Oh, yeah? Well, we couldn't get hot water at our cottage on the lake all through COVID. And the only butcher shop in town didn't have, you know, AAA beef. Right. We had to struggle with grocery store meat. And he's like, well, yeah, well, I saw a guy die in front of me. Uh, It's just a tragic story. And, you know, he born into like just a criminal family, like he didn't really have much of a chance out of the gate. His parents were a disaster. His whole family was a disaster. He had an uncle who from like the age of eight was telling him, Inevitably, you're a Trejo. You're going to prison. Right. And here's how you survive prison. Wow. Yeah. You ever sit your kids down and have that kind con- listen, you're <laughs> a vet. Well, I've had that kind of conversation. You're a Vent, you're going nowhere. Right. But yeah, when, when you it's so ingrained in you that every family
0: member has done time. I took my kids to prison. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to do a tour. Yeah. Just to say, hey. You think you could survive in here? Yeah, not a chance.
1: <laughs> not a chance. I don't know, just reading this book, it just scared the hell out of I me. And I've known that of myself all along. Oh, I couldn't do 24 hours.
0: We were talking before about, like, padding resumes mm. and uh, and people writing resumes. I, I I get the sense for many the autobiography is a lot of that. You think? It's, it's, it, it, well, I mean, you think about it. If you had to write one, what what would you be writing about you right. have to even have the memory to recall everything. Well, that's it. There's, like, You know, I've always been impressed with Nikki Six and the Heroin Diaries that he could actually remember right, right. any of the stuff that happened yeah. through all of that. And uh, the detail to which they remember it. There has to be a lot of embellishment there. I mean, the whole idea of an autobiography is really self-serving. And, and there's a lot of, to me, conceited behavior in here's me... Here's my story. You must want to read it. Well,
1: I, 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 I really love autobiographies. It's probably the, the main type of reading I do. Because I, I just find people who have hit any heights of success, I'm intrigued. I mean, I, listen, I could care less about hockey, but I even read uh, Ty Domi and, and uh, Wendell Clark's books.
0: Right. I mean, it, Wendell Clark's book was like it was written with a crayon. <laughs> it's, it's well, great for education. And, and when they write those books, there's, you know, with help... Oh, they've got a ghostwriter. Right. Two. Yeah. It's, you know, uh, that's why I find biographies are, are generally someone else writing about mm. that person, right? Okay, yeah. So if, if I come across a biography, I was like, okay, well, this person had a life that someone else was, <laughs> right. was so good, someone else was interested in telling the story of
1: it. Yeah. It's funny how you mentioned Nikki Six. It was the same with when I read Keith Richards autobiography. Right. I mean, here's a guy who was smacked out on heroin for m- almost, like, two decades. <laughs> how he, But it gets to the point in the book, and this is what's so great about Keith Richards, He's he's got no more stories to tell or he can't remember, so he shares his shepherd pie menu, <laughs> or his recipe on how to make shepherd's pie. <laughs> this is what it gets to. Anyhow, if you're looking for a gritty book, this Danny Trejo one is uh, is incredible. And yeah, I don't know that I could ever write my autobiography. Again, with the, the Stones, Mick Jagger got so mad at Bill Wyman because Bill Wyman wrote his autobiography because he kept the like, daily diaries, right? but also like diaries of all the women he slept. Like his book is just like a forum story. <laughs> how he had tried to even get on stage and play bass, I do not know with all the lovemaking he had going on. But I guess Mick Jagger didn't remember it. He went to him and said, listen, can you lend me your diaries? I don't remember any of his our wow. stories. Wow and bills like i don't know you want to give me some publishing on some of those songs yeah you know and so they uh, they didn't speak for a very long time but anyhow if you like a good read and we're heading into that time of season when reading getting cozy in the house and reading a good book that's the thing we do so uh yeah it's a good one if you're looking for something grimy it's grimy we here at Rock Mornings are always looking for ways to help the less fortunate, and Doug Elliott and Lucky completed the 100-hole hike all for Golf Canada and raising funds so that young people, kids, can have the opportunity to play golf. And, and with that, Lucky realized yesterday that our, our next focus... Should be on the uh, soccer moms of Brooklyn.
0: <laughs> well, I think yesterday's focus was kind of on the soccer moms of Brooklyn. Really, I mean,
1: you realize you saw it for yourself. Yeah, it, it, it's like going to some third world country where you see the the struggle, the starvation, <laughs> and so uh, Lucky came to me today and said, uh, "Enough is enough. We must make sure that all the soccer moms of Brooklyn, Ontario, are supplied." With uh, enough Lululemon. Oh, okay. From head to toe. Some <laughs> some only have one pair for each day. <laughs> Let's stop the struggle. So if you could just give from your heart right. a donation to the women of Lululemon Ontario, Brooklyn. Because some women have like a sun hat, Lululemon, hoodies, Lululemon, mm. shoes, Lululemon, everything, Lululemon. Yeah. And there's those... Who do not? How do we
0: let this That's happen? to dads too. Let's don't forget. that right. Lululemon has men's clothing. It's well, th- this
1: is right, and this is a perfect example. Lucky men are always forgotten about right. these situation. Yes, you're already. What about the men? They need the women. They need a lot. They need the aviator sunglasses. Oh, they need the baseball cap, to <laughs> Toronto Maple Leaf baseball cap, and, and, and some can't even afford the little thingy to put the hair in the ponytail outside the baseball scrunch. Cap. Yeah. So
0: we can't have this. No. No. we to so have to have another. I'm not playing another hundred holes for that, though. Oh no! Not. We won't do that. For that. <laughs> this is simply this is simply a donation bin. That was quite <laughs> enough. <laughs> we <laughs> nine hours twenty k. <20K, laughs> Three hundred and thirty-five shots. No, that's enough.
1: We need an intern to go door to door,
0: like a UNICEF box. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Something like that. Can you
1: please give <laughs> to the women of Brooklyn? We're, we've already uh, reached out to Sarah McLaughlin. She's okay. going to uh, sing uh, a yeah, song. Yeah, we
0: need to put her her music underneath your <laughs> plea for help.
1: You're know, gonna have commercials. You know, like the sad dogs in the cages. Exactly. We'll have women just staring into Lululemon shops, <laughs> single tear rolling down their cheek. Gonna raise a fortune, and we're gonna help those less fortunate. Rock mornings with, with Craig, Craig Van, Van and Lucky, Lucky. ninety Nine. The Rock.